Good morning. Welcome to Hope Community Church. Those of you who are here and those who are joining us virtually, if there was ever a morning to join virtually, this would be the morning. So if you're, if you're home and warm, uh, good for you. Glad that some made it out here, though. Um, I'd like to point out a couple things. Um, at the end of our time, if you're joining us virtually and you would like to connect with other people, you stay on, and then there will be an opportunity, there'll be a guided time to be able to talk about and, and connect with some others who are joining virtually as well. Uh, for those who are here, glad that you're here. Um, again, as we've been pointing out, we do have a, a thing now with utility matching fund that, or I think it's for every gift that's given, somebody will match it, and so that's a giving opportunity. And if you care to give at any rate, uh, there are some boxes in the exits as you leave. Um, but with that in mind, I think that's all of our announcements. And we're going to, I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to, we're going to consider, um, our, we're going to go on with our series on the fruit of the Spirit. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you for um, your purposes and your promises. Thanks for the opportunity to be able to think together about the fruit of the Spirit, both here and virtually, but to be able to think about goodness and how it is that we can experience it and, and give it out to others. Uh, we give this time to you and, and ask that you would help us to learn what we need to learn. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, we're talking about the fruit of the Spirit. So the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And what we're thinking about this morning is goodness. Um, goodness, biblically, is showing benevolence to others, being helpful to others. It's in the Bible, goodness is always a gift from God. It's something that we experience from him and then give out to others. If you remember, there was a computer term, gigo, G-I-G-O, garbage in, garbage out. So it, it expressed the fact that if the computer is not functioning well, it wasn't programmed well because you get out of the computer what you put into it, garbage in, garbage out. We can say the same thing about goodness. Goodness in, goodness out. Biblically, goodness is something that we experience from God. And as goodness comes in from God, then goodness goes out towards others. Biblically, it's very dependent on experiencing it and so that it can be reflected. Because goodness as such is it's outside the control of a man in his own strength. We have the ability to be good, but not good in the way the Bible describes the kind of goodness that God demands of us. Biblical goodness, like love, he describes as do to others as you would have them do to you. And what we've seen with love and with kindness and with goodness, that these are active terms. Biblical love is a verb, not a noun. It's not something you fall into and fall out of. It's something, biblical love is something that you can take a picture of. You know, so we today, Valentine's Day, we think about love and exchanging cards. And um, biblical love is something you could 
take a snapshot of. It's like when somebody's helping another. We looked last week at kindness and goodness, which are very closely related. Uh, Megan Vogel helping another runner across the finish line. And that's was something you could take an image of. That's biblical. Goodness and love and kindness is like that. It's something active. It's a verb rather than a noun. It's active, not emotional. It doesn't mean that there's not emotion associated with love, but that's not its main quality. Its quality is not that it's an emotion, but it's something you do. Like And so what it says in First John, let us not love with word or with mouth, but in deeds and truth. Um, the other thing about biblical love, it says in this verse, if you love those, Jesus says, who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. But love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, because he is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Divine goodness is different than human goodness, because it is deeper and wider than human goodness. It's deeper in that it gives more, it sacrifices more. In expressing love, God sends his Son. He brings from the depth of himself, and it's wider. We have no problem or less of a problem being kind and good to those we feel comfortable with. But God is good to the ungrateful and the wicked, and to that extent, then, biblical goodness and biblical love is deeper and wider than human love. You can't feel loving toward an enemy. You can provide what an enemy needs. You could help an enemy, and that's the image when we think of love. Divine love, kindness, and goodness is the goal. So the question becomes, how do you reach it? And think about a couple things. The fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, all of them, and we think this morning, goodness in particular, They are not law-based. You can't generate this. And let's think about what that means. In Galatians, when it describes the fruit of the Spirit, look what it says. So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. If you are led by the Spirit, you are not under law. So when it describes that if you want to do the fruit of the Spirit, We have to be influenced by the Spirit. It's not something that we can generate internally and have it be as deep and wide as God would have it to be. These virtues are impossible for us when we are under law. What does it mean to be under law? Under law is a, it's kind of a way of thinking with respect to God. In the days when they approached God under law, it meant that they were aware that they would be blessed if they obeyed and cursed if they disobeyed. So that's what it meant to be 
under law. And what it describes here, those who are led by the Spirit are not under law. And what that suggests for us then, the fruit of the Spirit cannot be generated because we're trying to force ourselves to do the right thing in order to be blessed. And not do the wrong thing in order to be cursed when we're trying to push ourselves or make ourselves obey. That is not a context in which we're going to be able to express the goodness that is as deep and wide as God would have it to be. So the fruit of the Spirit is not law-based. It ends up saying in Well, look what it says. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy. This is a little bit later in in Galatians 5 where it's speaking about the fruit of the Spirit. It says, actually, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And then it adds a line at the end. Against such things, there is no law. That actually comes from a quote probably from Aristotle in the 4th century. He said, against such people, there is no law. And what he was referring to, and I think it's probably true that Paul was aware of this statement, and he used it because he uses exactly the same words in Greek. Aristotle referred to people who, being led by virtue, were above the law. And he was describing those individuals who wanted to pattern their life after something that was noble. And what Aristotle was saying is that you can't legislate or mandate people to act in a way that would bring these virtues. You can't force this in anybody. That's what he was saying. When these qualities are evident, we are in a sphere with which law has nothing to do. And I think that's what Paul is saying. The fruit of the Spirit are not able to be generated because you're trying to force yourself to do the right thing in order to be blessed and avoid doing the wrong thing in order to be cursed. That's law, and law doesn't work with respect to manifesting the fruit of the Spirit. When you think about law, what is it? Law is based on right and wrong. So you identify what's right and you seek to retain it. Or you identify what's wrong and you seek to contain it. These virtues that are described, they are not the byproduct of us influencing ourselves to try to do the right thing in order to be blessed and in order not to be cursed. These things are the byproduct of divine influence. And so what that means is not only are they not law-based, but that these qualities are love-based. It says... Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And what it's describing, that if we have understood who Jesus is, 
and have come into a relationship with him, we have peace with God. That peace is not a feeling, it's a fact. And what it means is that we will experience eternal glory. And that's something certainly that we can embrace. But what he goes on to say that we not only rejoice because of eternal benefits, but he goes on to say, not only so, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. This verse describes that when we have peace with God, there's a couple things that we're able to depend on because we have this peace. Again, peace with God is a fact. If you understand why Jesus came, you believe he died for you, then you have peace with God. And what that means is that you are going to be with God eternally. On the far side of the grave, we have a lot of really good things to look forward to. But not only that, if we have peace, we don't we don't only rejoice in what we will experience, the great things, but we can also rejoice in the difficult things we experience on this side of the grave. And it describes some of the benefits of experiencing things that we would rather not experience, but that because we have peace with him, it's, it indicates that we're going to experience some difficult things. This is a storm center. And what he's describing is that, that there are things that as we get involved in storms in our life where we have to experience emotional or physical things that are difficult, the process of experiencing things like that lead to a couple of things. First of all, it indicates in the text, it says, not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance. And this is a word that we looked at, especially when we talked about patience. Patience literally means long-suffering. Patience and endurance go together. The word for endurance means to remain under. And when James talks about consider it all joy when you encounter various temptations, knowing that the testing of your faith develops this word, endurance. Endurance is the ability to remain under something. I want you to imagine something that feels stormy, that you would get out if you could, but you can't. Having to remain in a situation that you would rather not be in requires some mental effort and exertion. You have to figure, how am I going to live with this? How am I going to live with this experience, these feelings, the circumstance that I'd rather not? And we end up having to figure out how we can continue to put one foot in front of another. That's endurance. And the difficult things we go through, they promote endurance. And then what it says, and endurance produces character. Character is literally provenness. When you have something real, and it's biblical, if you have peace with God, what that's going to develop 
over time, again, this is not fast, but as we learn to kind of cope with difficulties, it allows for us to develop endurance, and endurance then, that will lead us to a sense of provenness or evidence. The evidence that we have something real with God is not that we enjoy going through difficulties, but that we learn to walk through difficulties one step in front of another. It doesn't mean that we smile. It doesn't mean that we like them, but we learn to tolerate them. And what we learn to do is hold the reality of the difficulty, not that we like it, but we hold the reality and the reality of our feelings about it, that we might say, God, I'm going through this difficult thing, and it's very appropriate to say, I don't like it. This feels bad. Now, I want you to, there's a difference between saying, this feels bad, and this is bad. This is bad is a judgment, and it's labeling something for those who have peace with God, God causes how many things to work together for good? All things work together for good. In that sense, there's nothing we experience that is bad, because in God's estimation, all things work together for good. So it's not bad, but are there things that we go through that feel bad? Absolutely. And that's just an observation. So what, what ends up happening, we go through things that feel bad, but we experience the ability to endure, and endurance creates a sense of provenness. This is a ring, and it was refined so that it is pure. That's the image of provenness. It's something which was tested and the character of what it was was revealed. Our character is revealed as endurance, our ability to learn to endure, gives the sense as we do so that, you know what, what I have is genuine. And that's evidence. It goes on to say, and character or evidence produces hope. Hope, biblically, is assurance. It's a sense that I know what I have is real, and therefore I know that I will be in a great place, not only on this side of the grave, but on that side of the grave. It's knowing that if we have peace with God, God causes all things to work together for good, even difficult things. That doesn't mean that they feel good but it means that they produce things that are good, both on this side and the far side. This verse ends up saying something important. It says, hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. It is the love of God that fuels endurance, character, and hope. Endurance, evidence, and assurance. It seems then that without storms, love will only be applied to the surface of our soul, to the surface of our heart. Without storms, our faith is skin deep and short-lived. Without 
storms, goodness and kindness are narrow and shallow. And this seems to be the case with the fruit of the Spirit. They are the byproduct of going through things where we experience peace, we learn patience, we learn to cling to joy, which is the understanding that there's a light at the end of the tunnel. As we develop these, these are qualities that come from learning to live with things that we'd rather not live with. Holding the reality of those things and holding the reality of God's promises. This is how we develop joy and peace and patience. And as we learn to develop joy, peace, and patience, what that leads to, it creates the foundation so that we become able to understand that God cares for us. And like it says, goodness in, goodness out. We start to to be able to depend on his goodness. I'm going to show an image. Even in a storm, and this is kind of where the fruit of the Spirit goes. It's the ability, even when things are stormy and choppy, to believe that God is going to do good things, that he is kind to us, he is faithful, he's gentle with us. As we understand those things, it allows us to experience his goodness so that we can exhibit that goodness to other people. This, these are not abilities and characteristics that are developed quickly. So don't be impatient with yourself. I heard it said it takes six months for God to make a squash, even less than that, but 10, 20, 30 years to make an oak tree. What do you want to be? A squash for God or an oak tree. If we're going to develop deep character, it's not going to develop quickly. Be patient with yourself and gentle. But as we looked at, if you want to find an ability to have a center that will allow you to develop this fruit, God's love, it's what it says. God's love has been poured out into our hearts. And so we talked about this in the first week. If there was a prayer, I would recommend you to pray. It would be this, God, I'd ask that you would reveal your love to me. To the degree that we understand and put the roots of our faith deep into God's love, it allows for evidence and endurance and evidence and assurance, and it allows us to build deep character. Let me pray for us. Father, I thank you for... um, your spirit, and your spirit does things in us that we can't influence ourselves to do. We can influence ourselves to be good and kind to people that we are friendly with, warm towards, but it's a lot harder to push ourselves to be good and kind to somebody who we don't like. But you came, Jesus, and that's what you were able to do. God, your character is you are kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. You would like, you would reflect or reproduce that quality in us, and that's what the Spirit allows. He pours out your love into our hearts so that as our life revolves around, is rooted in an awareness of your love that grows over time, the awareness of your love is what allows for a love and a goodness and a kindness that is deep and wide to 
to be able to be exhibited by us. Pray that you would continue to do this work in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen.